0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Where Next? Conversations with MAP Project Office. My name is Ollie Stratford, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Decenio and I will be moderating this talk Can e-vehicles help the car turn onto a new road? With growing awareness about the need to decarbonise, excitement about an interest in electric cars is developing quickly across societies. But how significant is the emergence of this kind of technology? And does it place a sticking plaster over existing problems and issues with cars? Similarly, the rise of autonomous vehicles seems to suggest a future in which the car slips from being a vehicle over which we exert direct control into something more akin to an interior space in which we pass time, A fact that seems to resonate with many automotive brands too, as they examine new entertainment systems and interiors for vehicles, and begin to look into areas of design that may fall outside of their core business. As such, we seem to stand at a crossroads for the car. Will they remain a simple means of getting from A to B, which we'll seek to make more environmentally friendly over time? Or is there scope for a more radical change in how we perceive of mobility? I'm delighted to introduce the panel who will be speaking about these issues and more today. They are Yu Wu, a Reader in Intelligent Mobility Design at the RCA, having previously been Senior Product Developer at Volkswagen New Mobility Services. Hi Yu.
1: Hello, thank you for inviting me to this talk. Um, I lead innovation research projects at the Intelligent Mobility Design Center, bringing together academics industrial partners and students to design and deliver research and knowledge transfer projects for emerging mobility experiences. My research interests include mobility inclusive design methods, UI and UX for vehicles, cultural and societal impacts of cutting edge mobility technologies, and what and how creativity approaches can contribute to the field.
0: Thank you so much. Next, we have Andy Wheel, Director of Production Design and Quality at Jaguar Land Rover. Hi, Andy. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Hello. Yes, um, a little bit about me. Well, I've been 33 years in the industry now uh, with a name like mine. You can imagine I get a lot of jokes being called a wheel uh, working in car design. But uh, I had um, nine years uh, working in design consultancy, transport design all the way. So motorbikes, trucks, all kinds of um, transport. But the last 24 years has been with Land Rover and JLR. So uh, predominantly exterior design, but uh, being part of the teams that have created some some wonderful vehicles that, that have kind of great emotional connection.
0: Thank you, Andy. Next up, we have Will Verity, lead designer at MAP Project Office. Hi, Will.
3: Hi, Ali. Um, at MAP, we are kind of traditionally a, a, a consultancy that has mainly worked with sort of technology clients. So we've primarily worked with IBM, Google, Samsung, these type of clients. But interestingly, in the last few years, we've started to work with, with automotive much more. So Jaguar Land Rover, um, Geely, um, even some some work for Transport for London. So it's, 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 it's kind of an interesting crossroads, I think, for, for mobility as they kind of look for, for expertise, maybe outside of the automotive industry to, to allow this kind of transition um, in, into a, a different direction for the future.
0: Thank you. And last but not least, we have Liam Young, an architect and director whose work is focused on future and speculative worlds, and who is the founder of the think tank Tomorrow's Thoughts Today. Hi, Liam.
4: Yeah, hi, Oli. Uh, thanks so much for inviting me to be part of the conversation. Uh, I'm based here in Los Angeles where i develop imaginary worlds both for my own films or for the entertainment industry here in hollywood and i'm interested in telling stories about the global urban and architectural implications of new technologies and particularly today what that means is that i consult for a lot of car companies actually on what the future might look like um so we've spent time with ford Mitsubishi. Uh, arrival and so on thinking about questions like the future of the street the future of ownership around automobiles driverless cars and so on trying to think about how new technologies of both automation and mobility are going to change who we are today and what a city is
0: thank you Liam Well, to get us started, I discussed in the introduction this feeling that mobility in the car maybe is at an interesting point in its history. I think at least for those outside of the industry, we are hearing a lot about the potential of e-vehicles, about autonomous technologies and how that might shift. And Andy, as, as someone who's working in that industry and has worked there for a number of years... I'd be curious, for your perspective, on the inside of the automotive world, does this feel like a juncture? Does this feel like a time when things are changing quite rapidly?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, earlier um, we were talking about it being a crossroads, and it is absolutely uh, a fundamental change is, is happening at the moment in terms of electrification in conjunction with the um, the implementation of driver assistance. When it comes to autonomous you know, driver safety assistance, uh, we are going to get to that point where we are seeing some big changes in how everything interacts, and that's really from my perspective here. Yeah, we talk about has has the relationship changed, but I think that the reality is that the the needs and wants for personal transport are still as diverse as the societies we live in. You know, and and that's what the design community really needs to serve. You know, the the, the motivations and uh, aspirations are are still there in different ways around. Different territories in the world, but those needs and wants still need to be expressed in terms of aesthetics, in terms of values and attributes in brands. Um, You know, expressed through form and materiality, no matter what the actual vehicle may offer to the to the end user.
0: Liam, I'm going to turn to you, and you mentioned you work with a number of car brands, and I think that in itself is an interesting thing and might be surprising to listeners. You know, that car brands are turning to a designer and architect, not a traditional industrial designer, but for someone who thinks through some of the implications of what might happen in urbanism and as cars change, why are they explaining to you that they want your insight? I I
4: get asked to be on a lot of the future of dot, dot, dot panels. Um, And that varies year to year. You know, I did a lot of the future of the metaverse just recently, uh, the future of VR and so on. But most recently, something that's always coming up is, you know, the future of the automobile, the future of the street, the future of mobility. And I think it's because at this moment, we're at a really interesting point where car companies are realizing that the dominant business model that has defined what they do for the last hundred years is changing, right? With, with autonomous vehicles, driverless cars this idea that we go into a showroom and we buy a car and we own it for X number of years and then trade it in and get a new one is shifting you know when this fleet of of vehicles are drifting around the city without drivers why do you need to own your own car and they're seeing that that car ownership is going to not disappear entirely but certainly move to something more of a you know a hobby when right? you, you own a car because you love to have one in your driveway you love to work on it it's beautiful as an object and you want to drive it on the weekend but for the most part every day your car is something that you know you call up on an app on your phone and you get in it and take calls and watch a movie on your way to work or something so car companies are shifting from you know car ownership Companies or car production companies to mobility and they hire people like me, you know, for want of a better word, futurists to try and figure out what that means. And they're desperate to not become obsolete, to not become Kodak, the company that, that made film, um, at the edge of the digital camera revolution. So it's a really critical moment where that, that business model is, is on fire. Um, at the same time i get a lot of cities talking to me saying you know what's the nature of the street going to become um because so many cities have been built around this previous model of what the automobile is streets have been built around a model of parking that's based in a model of car ownership and that is also changing and we're starting to remake our streets not for our own patterns of human occupation or or car driving but through the patterns of autonomous vehicles and the way that machine vision wants to understand the nature of the street. So these are all very new phenomena. And you know, there are very few sorts of people that, that have that overview over both culture and technology in order to be able to offer relevant insights to a car company in this space.
0: Chow Yu, I wonder if I can turn to you now. Um, I'm curious as to the answers we've had so far, how they resonate with your experience. You're based at the Royal College of Art and on this research side. Are you having similar conversations within that institution? How do you see this moment in automotive design?
1: Recently, or for the last decade, we actually talk a lot about connected, shared autonomous vehicles and e-vehicles. And I would like to say, just based on my research, the major change is ownership. Slowly moving away from owning a car to accessing to a car. A bunch of car sharing models and services around the world represent the change of car ownership. Um, I did a little bit research before this talk. And um I found that the driving license ownership in the UK dramatically dropped over the last four decades. Um My impression is a lot of uh, young people who live in the cities do not care about having a driving license too much. Their life is surrounded by public transport and quality private access to cars that can take them around the city. Given the focus of manufacturers, producing new cars is moving from drivers to passengers due to electric, shared, and autonomous vehicle development. I would say people's expectations of interior design have changed a lot. For example, requiring space for socializing more, demanding entertainment needs, better set-nav experiences, and even demand for better movable and adjustable seats to accommodate different journey types.
0: Will, I think there are points there which it might be interesting for you to pick up on this change in the interiors of cars and what we expect for them. Because as you mentioned, you've worked much more with technology in different areas and MAP is now being asked to enter this automotive space. You're not traditional automotive designers. What are the briefs that you're getting? What are you seeing? Why do you think companies are coming to you and and looking to explore that area?
3: Mm. I mean, I think I think that idea of not owning vehicles anymore is really the the, the kind of um, the point of interest that automotive companies realise that they now sell experiences, they don't sell products, um, and 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 they they're kind of understanding what that they're actually driving is. You sort of never we always talk about this idea that you never forget how you feel, but you can forget a product. So how can you create experiences that make you feel, you know, as you know, design those experiences in a way that are unforgettable. Um, and I guess the the point that we're coming in is that, um, as Andy was mentioning, that you know cars are effectively becoming computers. They are they have now kind of vast compute power to support kind of the advanced kind of safety systems or EV battery technology. And I think automotive companies are trying to understand what else they can do with that compute power that creates that experience as a kind of holistic thing. Um, so it's not just about driving, but it's about the, the total experience of of moving, I guess, through the world seamlessly. Um, and that 's sort of where we've come in so we we, we we do a lot of work effectively with HMI systems so human machine interface, um, understanding how you can kind of leverage different technologies within the the cabin of a vehicle um, to unlock different experiences as you go.
0: Andy, maybe you can tell us a little bit how some of these ideas actually manifest within car design because I, I think there 's an interesting thing you know talking about these changing expectations, this change in ownership from what people expect. How how do you translate that into a physical vehicle? You know, like what what are the actual implications of that? Yeah, I mean, it's really
2: interesting. I mean, I agree completely with Liam in terms of this. Uh, the, the, the big challenge being on ownership and uh, and what's going to happen to the to the context, you know, to the uh, the environments that that, that that vehicles are being used in, uh, you know. I still think that a one size fits all is is not going to happen. But this idea of the motivations for people to continue to own a vehicle are going to be much more um, emotionally driven. But what this means, from from a design perspective, you know, vi- you know, designing a vehicle, is obviously they are very heavily legislated uh, in terms of the you know, the, uh, the freedom to do anything is just not there. There are, there are different uh, legislative frameworks around the world. They vary in different ways. And uh, a company such as Jaguar Land Rover, where where we're doing global vehicles, uh, we've got to make sure that we are adapting all of those, but they're also future-proofed as well. And one of the real challenges we've got at the moment is when you're trying to do something, which is uh, expressing, uh, you're telling a narrative through form and through proportions and so on, a lot of the technologies that we are now going to be integrating, they have to have a certain amount of compatibility. Some of the, uh, the partnerships, such as the, the, the one with uh, uh, in, uh, companies such as NVIDIA, the, the systems there where we're talking about car-to-car communication, they require a certain amount of commonality in terms of location of the sensors, location of cameras, the field of view, lots of things which, in theory, are going to be harmonizing design. Uh, but that's where I think the the challenge comes because my, my experience has always been that the more parameters you you give to a design team, the more creative an output you get. When you think of it, at the moment with with all the legislation we have we have to meet, which is all correctly driven by by, uh, by the fact that you know a thing moving through uh, you know sort of through the air at high speed is obviously something you know you want to make sure is is absolutely optimized for um, for safety for for internal and external occupants and vulnerable road users Uh, that compatibility is going to give us a real challenge to make sure that we can integrate all of those components make sure that they uh, function seamlessly with the rest of the environment in which it's uh, interacting and still have room for individuality and expressing brand values and attributes through, through design
0: Will, I saw you uh, nodding as Andy was speaking there, so it seems as if that resonates with your experience of designing in this area.
3: Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the, the challenge that every everyone is going through, isn't it? And I, and I I I guess that is, you know, that is the, I suppose at the moment we've been doing a lot of work at, at, in terms of research of exploring the the kinds of products that are coming out of the Chinese car market, for example, which is, at, you know, from, I think, particularly in Europe, we maybe have a slightly traditional, still quite a traditional view of what automotive or cars kind of are um, and, and looking at the kind of values and um, I guess that the, the things that that market places importance on is pretty different to the way that we place values on on things in, in Europe or, or, or maybe in the US. Um, so I think that it is changing and it is being yeah that the rise of, of kind of automotive in China is, is changing things quite quite rapidly at the moment.
0: Xiaoyu, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how you research this area. I think one thing that's come through very strongly is people want different things from cars. People behave around them very differently. You know, they meet different needs. How how do you go about sort of building that research and understanding what people want from vehicles, how they might interact with them?
1: Uh, It's a good question. Um, I created a a set of design principles called SAFE. S-A-F-E, to help mobility designers and researchers to investigate vehicle user interactions. Uh, They are simple, adaptable, familiar, and environment. Simple means as a designer and product developer, make products simple for users to understand and use. This could include reducing function and information by design integration of grouped functions and information or optimization of a sequence based on user journeys. Adaptable means new mobility services will increasingly be required to serve a very broad user spectrum. To do this effectively, it is necessary to provide a level of adaptability. In the user experience, such as designing vehicle service features for different individuals, personalities, use cases, types of passenger groups, etc., Um, interfaces, layouts, and aesthetics need to be adaptable and easily adjustable. Uh, Familiar means new vehicle technology integration may consider users' progress when learning how to use the system, providing elements that could remind them of similar functions they have used and help, helping them to instantly understand how to use the new system. Um, last is uh, the environment environment is is a set of tools i created to help mobility designers and researchers to understand the environment that the vehicle is going to be used how is it used who uses it what circumstances it is used type of environment include the type of user infrastructure geography weather economy etc um Regarding e-vehicles, I think user behavior um when using charging points is the area that we need to we needs the most interaction design focus.
0: Andy, you were you were nodding there as well at this discussion of the charging points. And I think that's interesting as well. There's a huge amount of infrastructure which goes around vehicles, and particularly a big change like towards e-vehicles suddenly you have all these other considerations how are you charging how is that working is is that proving one of the more challenging or, or interesting areas of your work
2: oh yeah absolutely uh just the, the compatibility the making it as easy as possible for people to uh, continue their journeys um how people will recharge their vehicles the, the whole nature of a of a filling station is obviously going to be completely reimagined and and uh Also, the the whole approach to the journey. Uh, I think that there's been many decades where people have been thinking of the the commute or the the journey as being just like get in the car, try and get there as fast as possible with a a fill-up along the way, which is taking as little time as possible. If you actually have to take time, and, and at the moment with the technology that we have, it will still mean enough time to actually recharge the human as well as recharge the car which can probably only be good for for alertness for for, uh, for for the enjoyment of the journey as well as you know um getting to the destination it's uh it's just that thing about the the infrastructure and I know that Liam will probably have have a view on this the whole thing about the infrastructure we've got old cities obviously you know in europe um you know cities that were never designed for cars yeah, elsewhere in the world, we've got, we've got cities that were designed around the cars, as Liam was saying earlier. Uh, I mean, my daily commute, I, I come along a Roman road, a 2,000 year old road and, uh, encounter, encounter horses and, and livestock and things like that. And, uh, this is the kind of, that, that, that diverse, uh, setting. Yeah. And that's within what is the largest conurbation in, 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 um, in, in the United Kingdom as well. It's very, very diverse world out there and trying to make sure that we, uh, Interact with all the various types of road users is is obviously a a real challenge um for us from a design perspective, but that just in terms of how we present the vehicle as well in, in a positive way that is part of an ecosystem of road users
0: Lim did you want to weigh in on this and that issue of infrastructure and how that's factored in and and considered within the future of cars yeah, I think
4: what's worth noting is that a lot of these technologies that we're talking about, particularly technologies of automation, involve an entirely different way of understanding space, right, and and visualizing and navigating the city. You know, we're used to thinking about the street as being something that's occupied by, you know, humans with human eyes and human patterns. but very soon the dominant inhabitants of our cities are actually going to be understanding the world through an array of LIDAR scanners and infrared sensors. And that means that everything down to the material choices through which buildings lining the street are made from will shift the nature of the streetscape, you know, which is now being designed around things like, you know, shared spaces and, you know, coffee tables spilling out from cafes and so on. Um, All of that is going to be brought into a new kind of focus as now the variables around streetscape design are based on laser reflectivity or, you know, IR interference. You know, even the curvature and the form of buildings, you know, certain types of structures are more legible and understandable to machine vision sensors than others. So the very nature of how we understand space and who is understanding it shifts. Um and that's both an infrastructural problem, a design problem at at all scales. Um I don't think we're really ready for what that means, you know. Um what what that new criteria means for for what a street becomes and how we exist within it and pedestrian crossings versus um you know, the nature of the curb, um, everything changes and we're not really having those conversations at structural levels yet, you know. Um, but meanwhile, the technology to, to, to make the cars is actually already here. Um, we can do this. We can make an autonomous vehicle. That's not a problem. It's regulatory changes. It's infrastructural changes that are lagging behind. And that's really where the battleground is right now. Is, is like you know, have, what is the insurance implications of bringing a bunch of these things onto a street, for instance? What does a local municipality have to do to to make their streetscape ready for this stuff? Um, and you know, we can fetishize and talk about you know, like what does the interior of a car look like, and so on. And they're really fun conversations. And generally, the conversations that I get brought into in Hollywood, for instance, like, like "What does a car look like?" Um, and so on. Uh, but at the same time, those conversations are kind of distractions from the real challenge right now, which is an infrastructural one.
0: Why do you think we're not having those conversations? And and this is an open question to the group. Is this just natural that legislation and all of that side runs behind the rate at which technology progresses? or Or are there other stumbling blocks that are preventing having those more challenging discussions around this?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I like to think about a lot of the things we're talking about as before culture technologies. And and by that, I mean that the innovation, the, the, the technology itself has arrived faster than our cultural capacity to understand what they might mean has or our regulatory capacity has, you know, like regulation, um, law, change is slow by very definition, by its very definition, you know, like we're still in the midst of court cases around like digital piracy you know and kim.com and and napster you know we're still like feeling the the brunt of that and that was decades ago you know we still don't understand what it means to like read a book give it to you and that's sharing but to watch a movie like it send you a copy and that's piracy like at the thought that we're you know ahead of the game in terms of you know regulating what happens when a driverless car knocks over a pedestrian and and who's liable, like we're so far beyond, um, you know, trying to bring into place real robust legislation to deal with that. It's not funny, you know, but we can like in a bunch of design offices, you know, explore what it means to redesign a car interior without a steering wheel, you know, with, 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 with seats that face each other um with with screens to to distract um passengers because we no longer have to worry about looking at the road like those conversations are much more in the wheelhouse uh of designers and much easier to have I guess than like big infrastructural changes which involve so many different parties you know um lawyers insurance companies local governments car companies Um, you know, all the different stakeholders involved in what a street is. uh, There's just so much more complexity there to unravel that, you know, we tend to focus in on the conversations that are much more manageable and digestible.
1: I was uh, thinking about uh, legislation and innovation. In the past uh, years, we see a lot of railroad uh, trials for autonomous vehicles in the world, for example, in the US, in Japan, and in China, and they all actually passed uh, some laws to allow this happen on the roads. Of course, there are dangers for people, and there also some incidents happened, and then the law is catching up. But here I want to say that the infrastructure will need to be adjusted for upcoming e-vehicles and autonomous vehicles or connected vehicles to run on the roads. The EV charging infrastructure needs to be installed rapidly to accommodate the increased numbers of EV owners and to remove hindrance for people who are considering buying an electric vehicle. Road infrastructure such as traffic signals, lens, curbs will need to be redesigned to accommodate the fully autonomous vehicles to come. Houses and the built environment will need to consider having chargers installed or some matching system to accommodate autonomous vehicles if they need to pick up for, um, pick up or Drop off passengers at the door, especially for those who have special needs.
0: Will, I'm curious to hear your perspective because I think there's something interesting about wondering what the role of the designer is in all of this and how much power you have to impact upon this situation. With what has been set out, are these huge structural challenges, you know, that touch upon how we legislate cities, how we build them, a huge number of things. Obviously at map, you're working on a project by project basis you know you you come in and work on something how how does it how do you relate to this because those are those are challenging things to be dealing with and trying to factor into a single project right yeah,
3: I mean, I guess the interesting thing for us is we've we've been speaking about kind of autonomy and control and how comfortable you are with effectively a a, a computer making a decision on your behalf for a long time with other clients like Google and Samsung particularly around technology in your home um but somewhere that's i guess very much less regulated or less um kind of controlled um but those those companies are you know they're very concerned about um people's perceptions of the way that computers will make decisions on your behalf um and actually now this is becoming you know much more prevalent in automotive that that, that the vehicle is is already making many decisions for you to make to make your your kind of driving experience easier but you know moving into kind of fully autonomous vehicles that the vehicle will be making every decision for you um so how do we design a space that allows you to feel comfortable that that, that that's happening um there, there will obviously be a kind of transition period where you know people are very used to to, to making every decision and and um, will we'll no longer be doing that but it does kind of i, th- I think in a way that transition period will be very challenging really to 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 make people kind of um feel comfortable that their autonomy has kind of been challenged to a point um but also delivered new experiences that 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 this technology allows.
0: I think this question of autonomy is a really interesting one, and and Andy, maybe I'll ask you to speak about it first, but I I think it's something which probably everyone will have thoughts on. I'm fascinated because this idea of autonomy, the idea of freedom, is so baked into the story of the car, right? That's one of the great ways in which they're described in the 20th century. This is liberation. This is you able to go wherever you want. And then we're talking now about the car shifting such that the the car has that autonomy, right? It's an autonomous vehicle. It's taking you. You're a much more passive figure inside it. Um, How significant a shift do you feel that is? Because there is this interesting thing that cars, you know, they're a really good way to understand wider social forces, right? The car in the 20th century, it's tied in with consumer culture, with mass manufacture, with that sort of individualism. How how important is that shift away from that sense of like personal autonomy over your vehicle? Well, I think that
2: autonomy is. I mean, it, it's coming. We we know that. Um, the challenge, exactly as Will was saying, is is about the transition period. There will be a transition period, and will there ever be a point where we can get to um, segregated systems so that we've actually got the all of the other road users away from passenger vehicles and commercial vehicles you know those you know, doing a, doing a task during the day that you know that is all about that's the infrastructural thing um, when it comes to autonomy i still believe that the, the whole thing about the car being this this route to independence is still there there's, there's obviously still luxury is still an inherent part of human society that ability to 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 reward yourself and uh, it's always been there within human society. That that will continue, and obviously with you know, with the um, with the company I I work for, I've got the privilege of working on these projects, which are all about that transition to a a, a modern sustainable form of luxury, something which is which is looking more long term. And uh, but that doesn't mean that it is in conflict with autonomy, because it can be it can be about where you're going to. You know, certain vehicles. You think back to the the, the VW Combi, the the old uh, the, the minibus. Um, Way back, that that was used for a whole generation as like a symbol of of independence because it was for for lots of people it was like their pad on wheels getting away from the parents' home and so on. And uh, so, irrespective of how you get to a destination, there's still that idea that uh, um, you, you can it can offer you independence, even if it's a different ownership model. You you still have that access to something which can give you independence, and that is still really compelling. That's absolutely compelling. Yeah, things like congestion. That was still around 50 years ago, and uh, yeah, I remember all the images of uh, of LA, uh, you know, with uh, absolutely just bogged down with a number of vehicles there. Way back at the you know, the end, end of the 60s, uh, which led to some of the you know the the, the environmental legislation that, that came in during the 70s. But so congestion's always there. The question is, how do we turn it so that you're actually spending your time in the vehicle? in a useful way. Now, that will depend on your own context. What do you want out of a journey? How much involvement do you want versus how much sitting back and doing something else do you want? And that's a very personal choice.
0: Che, how does this idea of independence and what you're using the vehicle for play in in your research? What's your thinking around this?
1: I would say we did a lot of visions for the future autonomous vehicles, e-vehicles, shared vehicles. And we would always like to give the users their own choices back. So it's not always the autonomous vehicles will make all decisions for you. Of course, they probably in um, 30, 50 years, and we, um, we, we see the fully autonomous vehicles on road and they can make decisions for human being. But we also want to Gave the, you know, the enjoyable driving experience back to people if they like to do it. And the cars always linked to a lot of positive effects such as convenience, comfort, freedom, saving time and money as long as they are fossil fuel free and being operated properly. Just one case, personally. I like the car to make a decision or to make most of the decisions for me when there is a traffic jam. So I don't want to sit in the traffic jam and driving myself hideously. So that's one scenario I really want to see for autonomous vehicles. And from a design and research point of view, in car industry, I can see a lot of concepts around social space in cars recently the concept of cars as living rooms is very popular, uh, especially for the future autonomous vehicles. For example, the, the Hyundai Mobility Vision Concept 2017 showcased a car carbon that can be used as a living room when it is not traveling. Hyundai Concept 7 autonomous vehicle designed a car space to be enjoyed leisurely for work and for social interactions, just like one would be in living space at home. BMW's Mini also created a futuristic concept, electric car, that when the car is parked, the dashboard can turn into a day bed. So there a lot of interior design that we can consider for the autonomous vehicles to make people's life work better and to give more freedom back for customers, for users.
0: Will, I might ask you to come back on that because this is something I know you've looked into too. Map had an interesting project with Honda, right, called The Great Journey, where you were specifically dealing with some of those issues. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that and some of the findings that came from that research project.
3: Yeah, I guess The Honda Great Journey was exploring how you could um, kind of leverage EV and kind of autonomous technology to completely disregard the road to a point and just allow you to explore freely um, and and kind of leveraging sort of those technologies to create a kind of completely different experience of driving. Um, and from that, we kind of created these different concept vehicles that kind of, um, yeah, leverage those different technologies to, to create ultimately experiences of, of, of you moving through the space. So it wasn't really about driving at all. It was just about kind of the, 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 the journey and the, the experience that you were having. Um but I think I guess generally this idea of like the, the, the car cabin becoming this sort of third space or becoming this sort of almost piece of architecture that isn't really about um driving at all, it's just about spending time there. And most architects would, would dream of having the, the kind of control over a space in such detail as a as a car interior. It's 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 a space you can kind of completely control. You can control everything down you know, the the kind of full sensory experience of of being in a space to, to sound to the materiality to 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 to, to smell, to you know, everything is is completely um, controllable. Um, so I think it's kind of what Andy was saying earlier. It's like having the more the more constraints you have, the more creative you can be in a sense. So actually, you know, having all of those constraints, safety, but also just like what you can physically physically build as a car interior, I think is going to unlock some some incredible spaces um, in the future as we move into full autonomy.
0: Liam, we've, we've spoken about this transition period and reaching these futures, and I'm very interested in your work presenting these speculations, these different ideas. But, you know, an important thing is multiple futures are available, right? That things could head in any number of directions. And I, I think sometimes it's very easy to feel we're strapped into a particular path and cars are heading in this direction. How, how important is it maintaining that, I suppose, openness to this field shifting in different ways and and how do you do that in your work with clients
4: all my work in in the context of futures suggests that like it's the s in futures that that creates some kind of criticality that we we both talk about you know aspirational futures and hopeful futures as well as cautionary tales of like this couldn't happen this way if we don't really plan around it um and i think that's important what what's what's challenging right now is that like You know, car companies aren't exactly about to like bring into the world a kind of cautionary tale, like "Hey, we've got to be careful; this might happen," because there's a vested interest in bringing this technology into the world in a very particular way that actually maximizes profit share, you know, and and revenue. So, what what I try and advocate for is bringing multiple voices into these conversations, so it's not one that car companies are happening and having on their own but rather there's urbanists in the room there's like um, people that can speak on infrastructure and renewable energy systems in the room there's philosophers and ethicists in the room at the same time um to try and have these shared conversations around what this future would mean the difficulty is that this is coming no matter how we slice it like there's so many billions of dollars um, that everyone has already invested into these systems that like, it, it's not like we have these conversations and figure out, oh, that's a really bad idea, guys. Like like autonomy, no. Um, you know, the transition to electric, no. But we can't put the genie back in the bottle. No one's going to rewind. Whether we like it or not, this is happening. So it's really just about like trying to as quickly as possible, you know, have all these... Different kinds of conversations about, yeah, what, what this means for renewable energy systems, you know, what this means for the nature of a power station, um, what this means for solar, the solar panel industry, what this means for the resource industry that makes those solar panels, what it means for a streetscape designer, what it means for a city, what it means for a car company. Um, so that's what we try and do, I guess, is, is, is advocate for bringing a bunch of different people into the room um uh, and that's where i i think the most interesting conversations start to happen you know because again we can we can focus on just this small scale shift that's happening with the car in love itself but the car has never been this isolated object as a designed element it is part of a massive network that includes power grids it includes traffic and road networks it includes insurance companies um it also includes uh, you know cultural conversations around um like you said uh, freedom um, image aesthetics um as well as you know um, liability and culpability and responsibility as a citizen um, and it's it's that peripheral conversations that that i think are most interesting but there isn't really an established forum in which those conversations should and could happen you know so the danger is that it's 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 a technology that that will be solely led by um the automotive industry and the car companies and i think that would be a great shame and it would both be dangerous but it also miss out on the possibilities that these technologies suggest for how we can rethink what a city is in the context of sustainability in the context of the climate crisis how we can rethink what it means to move around um you know every image of the future suggests that we're going to move faster we're going to have supersonic travel that's going to connect London to New York in 30 minutes or whatever but Being able to pause at this moment and reflect on the virtues of slowness to reflect on like whether or not in a climate collapsing world we should be able to move around with the freedom that we do reflecting on whether or not you know and and when we should make the transition from fossil fuel cars to electric cars and what is and and pollution taxes and all of these kind of things like i think they're the most urgent conversations we should be having right now. And they're not exactly the conversations we are having.
0: Well, I think that draws us to the end of our time here today. Thank you, everyone, for joining. I think one of the things that has come out through the conversation is the car in the past has always been a really good route into and way into understanding wider systems, right? Be they infrastructure, be they urbanism, be they social, political, ethical. And I think at this juncture where some new technologies are coming in and ideas around what mobility is and can be, that remains the case. Thinking through how we travel, thinking through the spaces in which we travel and how those operate and how those connect with wider forces around them, it remains a good way to have these conversations. So... I don't know if we've reached any set conclusions today, but in a lot of ways, that isn't the point. The idea is to start discussing this and to start imagining which futures are open to us and which futures we would like to head towards. So thank you to the panel for joining us today. And thank you also to you, the listener, for joining us too. We'll be back next time for another episode. Thank you, Ali. Thanks, folks. Thank
1: you very much. Thank you.